0: As harsh as it sounds, the mantra of I scrim, therefore I go ham is the esports equivalent of the concept put forth by the French philosopher René Descartes, cogito ergo sum, which might be better known to you as I think, therefore I am. It serves as an axiom, a premise or a starting point for many important arguments that flow into decisions which ultimately end up faulty because the very initial starting point is problematic and often flat out wrong. Here we'll make the argument that on several layers the argument of trying to use scrims, both the results, the the quantity of scrims, the content of scrims, either has to be very closely evaluated or should not be taken at false value. It is very much labeled thinking that doesn't really lead to any meaningful results and that has been proven true across eSports history. Now let's first start talking about the volume of scrims. So in our example, for instance, it is quite true that from all I could find out, the USA... Absolutely could have been the team that practiced the most in that final eight for this World Cup final at BlizzCon. Uh, if, if they weren't the most, they were certainly amongst the most uh, scrim hours that they put in. They had a boot camp, and in comparison to their direct competitors, it certainly outperformed them. So for instance, Team UK, to the best of my knowledge, had about 15 to 20 hours preparation per week uh, going into BlizzCon and fair enough some of them their players also had scrims with their respective teams so here we have a pretty normal sort of like full work week nothing extraordinary probably for most of these players not exceeding 40 hours probably even less in terms of raw scrims and then of course what they do in their off time but in general that was certainly less than the us did In terms of VOD review and and all these things, I can't really comment on that. I I don't know at this point. But certainly, as the raw volume of scrim goes, also Team South Korea, for instance, that we know didn't scrim as much as they would have liked to. They also didn't have all their players present. Fury was uh, still on the road with uh, London. And then, of course, Fate was in the US playing with Bad Ping. They did did still scrim some teams. Uh, I think most of the the full Korean rosters in uh, in South Korea are still uh, scrimming, at least part-time or depending on the team. But they certainly had practice partners in that regard, also probably of pretty good quality. And that said, yes, they probably didn't have teams that were very uh, well-versed in the art of goats, if you want. Now, moving on from the volume of scrims, it is also about the content of scrims. Especially Korean teams will most of the time simply try stuff out. So what that means is they will either have completely different starting lineups or they will play weird compositions in order to see what works, what doesn't. They will focus on certain aspects, will sometimes not even really resemble trying to you know get your win conditions will happen on certain parts of the map that aren't necessarily the current win condition where the payload is or whatever and just in order to hone their craft in that regard and only towards the actual game day will they then start to take scrims seriously in the sense that they will then try to actually win them but not even 100 percent of the time in that regard so as such, if your idea of, w- of doing well in scrims is to win them, you probably missed the point. So as such, it is always very weird to say the sort of argument brought up that they won most of their scrims. This doesn't have much telling power whatsoever if you're actually doing scrims correctly or let's say empirically correctly because we know teams that don't always go only for the win are empirically the teams that also do best, right? So a while ago, I came up with an eSports fallacy, one of those fun tweets I uh, used to do on uh, the platform, and it went, Scrimmeth, when asking teams who practice against each other for win percentages of those scrims, the approximated sum will always exceed 120%. Now, (laughs) if you ever talk to a player, or competing players in these compositions that's unarguably true like whenever you talk to a player oh how, how much did you win against team x oh, 60 70 you ask the other guy ah oh, 60 70 it's always the case because you will never get a real answer it will always be inflated play it's possibly because of player egos otherwise because of how the brain works and f- how it filters out negative information and unless someone actually picked up a pen and paper, and counted, you probably shouldn't be taking that seriously. And as I proved earlier, that information itself does not have much telling power, right? So whenever the argument after a rough loss is brought up that you were winning scrims, you should immediately discard that. That is not the point. If you you see someone say, we're doing well in scrims, well, you've got to ask him what does doing well mean. So, for instance, in in Eros' case, in his uh, statement, I totally believe that he might just mean that they they practice well, they set his uh the his ideas in motion very well. They were very adaptive, very receptive to his feedback. It all worked out in the way they wanted. Just very good, you know. Drills were working. All of these factors that constitutes a successful scrim. Certainly not the win percentage of your scrims. Now, another problem I see with scrims is as a selection method for teams themselves. And I I have to give some sympathy towards coaches that try out players because often the information or the empirical evidence you have on a player might be very limited. If it's not, there's no excuse. Often these scrim values, Uh, metrics are overvalued so you have players with lots of different teams over the history you have players that were on pretty good rosters but they never really had these big results but they keep getting onto these teams and you ask yourself how is that possible what what is what is going on there most of the time you hear through the grapevine that they have bomb first scrims the second scrims they get everyone on the same page but then they plateau there's no trajectory upwards or downwards like you're being signed based on what the coaches see in scrims it sort of works with them then the coach's ego comes into play going oh, well like this guy has so much talent and i could be the coach i i am good enough of a coach to make him work the the chances i if if four or five coaches before you couldn't make it work you're probably also not going to and it's much more likely that you pick for instance a younger player Try to develop him in that regard and then also compare their trajectories, right? So, in my opinion, it is much, much, much more sensical to look at the empirical evidence. Do do the teams of the player have good results, solid win rates against stronger opponents? Why is that? Look at the games. In the actual game day, don't overvalue your scrims in those settings that you set someone might very well be overperforming it's also a thing of course of sample size and i fully realize that you can't scrim everyone for two weeks and really see their trajectory and how well they're taking coaching approaches if you have to make a selection hence why i would advocate for first like sorting through these masses with stats and then really give the the couple the dozen left that really look like they could be someone then give them a closer eye and of course if we get these replay systems my god now you have a great um, resource in order to prove or to test these players out but don't overvalue the the importance of scrims because time and time again we have archetype players that get into overwatch league are either liability or never play and then they drop out and this is a a thing across esports history these famous people that must have just incredible first impression performances that never that always overpromise and always underdeliver and be very mindful of those guys because you're not only wasting away the potential of your team but you're also wasting away the potential of players that you might have picked up instead even though they weren't as good on the first scrim so get real recordings and I know it is a little bit, they, they, these coaches have a conflict of interest in either way, but why not ask their main team coaches? Is this player receptive? Does, did he ever have any internal problems? Is he a problem maker, right? These things, good coaches already sort of have an idea. There are players in the Overwatch League that have incredible skill also in the contender scene, that also commanded a quite high buyout fee, but half the teams didn't even take a chance at them because they are well known to have these bomb first scrims and also to be quite toxic. You don't want these people and you also wouldn't find out in these first scrim selection methods. I hope I sort of made the point towards the faulty premise that scrims often provides and how ultimately the outcomes of them are very undesirable where there is some sympathy i have for them because the metrics we have in order to seep through the seas of talent is quite limited at this point in time in overwatch but at the same time there might be some laziness also towards the fans of the scene don't take these these we won our scrims statements by the way of which Eros wasn't it was clearly like we did well that is a difference as I have pointed out and read between the lines and see what it actually means because at the end these are all scrim bugs and they don't really matter thanks for listening